everyone everyone and welcome to the first episode of Play the Ball podcast of 2021 my name is neeraj and as always i'm joined by saipasan so in this episode we will look at how 2021 will fare out for the top clubs in europe's top 5 leagues and give our predictions on who who's winning the leagues so sai uh, it's been a couple of weeks since we did our last episode so welcome back uh, what have you made of the footballing season so far uh yeah to be honest i was not particularly excited after our last episode because arsenal were in a dire run of form and we kept losing games uh and it looked like we never could buy a win but then since then uh we kind of picked up the form the new year has, has been quite uh kind for arsenal i would say and also for manchester united so i guess we are in a good mood to record this episode uh but generally as a football uh, this season has been crazy right like there have been a lot of new narratives in the top uh manchester united leading the table milan leading the table in serie a and uh, atletico madrid leading the table in la liga so there has been quite a lot of new teams which are finally catching up to the dynasties for the past 3 4 years so definitely been an exciting season in every single department also in the leagues which doesn't actually seem to be entertaining for the past couple of years so yeah a great season overall looking forward to what 2021 has to offer for us in this uh with this leagues yeah definitely sai i mean um, if you look at other leagues as well like you mentioned um in serie a similar finally looks like a proper title contenders now and um, actually even even inter milan as well is slowly catching up with them and uh, if you look at la liga you know atletico If I, I was looking at the stats and it's actually it's gone under the radar how about how good atletico madrid have been will be uh, will be getting into that soon and uh, madrid and barcelona are being inconsistent they're catching up here and there and then if you go to the french league 1 uh, it's been much tighter the compared to the previous years as well uh, lyon has been exceptionally playing well lyle and psg now has, is currently at the top right now but they were struggling for a bit it's very tight in league 1 as well and bundesliga i think as the same narratives is uh, you know man leading again but uh, four points ahead of leipzig if i'm not wrong but uh, we'll get to that shortly so i think we'll start with premier league side because i think that's where the most the surprise is the shocks that has been happen- happening so side from the premier yeah. league who, who would have thought manchester united who like got battered by crystal palace and tottenham hotspur and i would actually say arsenal despite the score uh, such as otherwise who will lead the premier league table comfortably uh in the month of january like that's quite a remarkable turnaround from united i would say and and i think that's been the craziest thing about this whole season uh because we never predicted united to be uh the first like not even the top two if i'm not wrong we just thought the liverpool and city dynasty will remain the same uh, with this congested fixtures uh and we are actually recording this episode after the uh liverpool versus united uh, match and anfield and united coming away with the point so uh, this the coming fixtures are also been kind for united so i think they're just going to keep staying in the top uh, for a while and i guess after the match start where some teams were there in 14th place or 13th place and 7th 8th i think the table finally is stabilizing a bit wouldn't you say 
So yeah, uh, the season is not so kind for me personally being an Arsenal fan. But other than that, I'm quite enjoying the way out is going. So I, I guess you are too, right? Oh yeah, definitely, sir. I mean. Uh, listeners out there, so uh, Manchester United is actually at the top of the table for the uh, almost the midpoint for the first time since Alex Ferguson's last season. So, plenty of reasons to be excited about. Of course, uh, uh, we are we are not expecting to win the title. So this season was this season. My expectations from United was to reduce the gap between City and Liverpool, right? So. It's obviously last year there's a big point gap. I think 15 point gap with City and then even more with Liverpool. So that closing of the gap was what we expected to do, but we are overachieving. It's like you said after the initial start. I think we were 15th or something uh, by the end of October, now the beginning. But now we are going on a good run. Things are going well, and very important one point from Anfield as well yesterday. So good run of form for United as well, but. Uh, Still expect uh, Liverpool City to catch up, and actually, I think Man City over the last four or five games there. Uh, we were talking about how Man City is looking shy of the club. You know that, uh, you know that one hundred points, and who won the domestic treble. We were talking a lot about it, but now the last few four or five games, if you actually notice, um, City are getting that groove back, They're dominating games. And if there was any proof that was needed, that was the game against Chelsea where they. Completely outclassed that strong Chelsea side as well. So City is coming to the groove, and uh, I think they have a game in hand as well. So if they win that, they're going to the top at the, for time being. But uh, interesting season. So like you said, the table is slowly shaping up. Initially, we had uh, Everton leading, leading the table, and then we had lots of talks about Spurs um, being title contenders. Those narratives are still there. Um, I think Spurs has faltered a bit in the last couple of games. They were not able to take up the chances. I know, Sai, you keep talking about how uh, Spurs will always, the expected XG will always catch up with Spurs. And it did happen for the last couple of games. But I think they'll still have enough to come up again. Obviously, not to win the title, but to give a you know competition to the top four. And, uh, but yeah, there are other teams playing well as well. Um, you have yeah, so yeah, that's where I wanted to start with. Like... So let's just uh, do some quick talking points and let's just save the best for the last. And we'll just start with the mid-table clubs, which seem to be very uh, impressive in this uh, season. And they pull off some upsets. Aston Villa playing well, Southampton, West Ham, Everton, everybody. Playing. Leicester, who are currently third in the table, higher of Liverpool. So these mid-tables clubs have kind of clo- closed the gap with the traditional top six. And I wanted to ask you, which club do you think impressed you the most? Uh, not necessarily the best performer, but then which club impressed you the most? And where do you think this mid-table matchup is going to come up with? Who do you think will finish that's, that's actually the best very among the pack? Question, that's actually a very interesting question, sir, because there are quite, like I mentioned, quite a few clubs. Leicester, I'm, Leicester is actually where I expected them to be, to be honest. I They were good last season, and this season they have made... They strengthened the squad well, so I'm. Expe- I it's not surprising they're challenging for the top four at least, and they're actually above Liverpool at the moment. So and again, Everton they started off well, and between they dropped off a bit, and you know they're currently sixth. We'll see underperforming for the last few games. I barely found well at all actually. But I think if I had to pick one, oh, it's kind of hard to pick between Southampton and Aston Villa. 
because uh, if you look at southampton's case um, they lost 9-0 at home i believe uh, against leicester last year and since then the turnaround has been remarkable nothing short of remarkable and uh, ralph has done a great job and especially he actually beat liverpool the last game week so southampton has progressed a lot they still have that fluctuating results here and there games you think they can win but they don't but southampton has been very impressive for me and uh, actually same goes to aston villa because aston villa but uh, to be fair they barely escaped last season and i think it's thanks to the goal line technology that faltered um, the first game after lockdown probably why they're still in the premier league but uh, now that they have survived they made really good recruitments over the summer they knew where they were lacking they needed a full back they got one in uh, matty cash they got a new striker in ole wilkins and uh, they strengthened heresy and then they're performing well they need a good goalkeeper as well they got an excellent one in martinez so they have identified their uh, weak links they have made efforts to recruit the good ones uh, good uh, replacements and they perform really well actually they are now 10th i believe 10th uh, with but with three games to spare so if they get around six points there they'll be somewhere around the top 5 top 6 so i think aston villa would be my pick and it's not just about the results it's the way they play as well i've been a big fan of uh, aston villa manager and uh, so they are outperforming i do not i not deny that but uh, if i had to pick one it probably be asamila like what about you uh yeah i mean you pretty much summarized it pretty well like i think lester are the best performing among them but then their squad building has been consistent throughout and they keep getting better year on year and their new additions after losing chilwell has also been impressive so i they are actually the best performers but the club i'm most interested with is actually uh, west ham because we never predicted them to be anywhere above uh, anywhere in the top like we did before uh, we actually thought they would do worse they would be quite in the relegation zone and that outright comes down to our trust in david moyes as a manager right but then west ham have actually played well that we have been praising them for their performances for a long time they did uh, quite well against all the top sides i saw they got a good result against city they got a, they played well against arsenal side and they should have got something out of the united game as well so i think uh, west ham has been my impressive uh, the performance of the season also this comes down to that they actually missed antonio who is their key attacker for quite some time and they seem to cope up with that as well and uh, i guess jared bowen has been impressive and declan rice is proving once again that he deserves to be in the shout for the best defensive midfielder in the league right now so yeah west ham is going to be my pick for this that's a good choice i actually kind of missed out on west ham so i think yeah it's quite difficult to pick up on those three clubs but like you said west ham has been ex- exceptional well, i i think if i'm not wrong so in one of our first episode we expected them to be in the relegation battle if you, if you remember so it's quite impressive actually they've got some massive results have got were uh, some upsets and they've been performing well in the top 10 so david moyes has been doing a good job actually so it's a happy happy days at the moment at least for the west ham fans okay so the next talking point which i want to talk is that some managers who are in trouble right now and where do you think those clubs are going to end up uh, like for example 
there are mainly three clubs which come into my mind and you can add if you think there are any other clubs there uh, the, the uh, three clubs are obviously the three london clubs where tottenham chelsea and arsenal and i think mikel arteta is pretty much safe because of the reports coming up from the reputed journalists where they trust him for the long term project and the overall really happens when their huge contracts in in 2021 and so they're going to give him some time there but the man who's in big trouble right now is uh, frank lampard and they nicked a win out of fulham uh, recently and i wouldn't particularly say that the performances was convincing and the recent athletic reports suggest that more than the results they were quite disappointed with the way lampard has managed the club in this season like his over dependence on olivier giroud and he couldn't bring much out of his their new signings right now and uh, i don't think this fulham performance changed the narrative from the board anything so this uh, he seems to be in quite a bit of trouble and also we'll come to jose as well so first let's, let's get started with frank lampard like do you really think frank lampard is going to last the season in chelsea because of their ruthless decision making powerhouse in roman abramovich and marina it's it's actually difficult to say sir because i think so far he has got the time because he is a chelsea legend i don't think anybody any other manager if you if you look at chelsea's tradition i don't think any other manager would have been given the time he has received but um, like you said is like if arteta they're trusting for long term manager uh, for long term goals and same with manchester united as well if you go back they're trusting for the long term project and uh, with chelsea is that they invest a lot and there's always a pressure the moment you invest a lot especially in huge talents like havertz and werner both of whom are underperforming right now and um, lampard has not managed them well that's they had this run where they were on 15 16 you know games unbeaten but now i think they've got only one four points out of the last seven games or something like that it's disappointing that's extremely disappointing for a squad that is as talented as a chelsea uh, side and for a, i like lampard to be honest i i like lampard and uh, i expect a lot more from him but it's the nature of premier league too this season is extremely competitive all the teams are playing well and uh, it's so easy to go up to from third position to ninth and tenth and come back up again so i think he'll be given a bit more time um i think uh, before i get to go there i think i want to highlight the city performance chelsea it's not about the loss it's no way they lost uh, full credit to pep uh, but it's apart from that is the chelsea performance that was extremely disappointing there was no sense of urgency there's no commitment sort of thing there nobody is pressing enough nobody is working hard to track back and that is disappointing to see because a squad that talented shouldn't be facing such problems so i think uh, lampard needs to look uh, look after himself a bit and be a bit more ruthless and uh, you know i think they'll wait to see how far they progress in the champions league as well because they have done reasonably well in the champions league so far So I think they'll wait to see what happens with Atletico, and then you know maybe Roman will take a call on that. Yeah, uh, I mean, me personally, I don't, I don't believe that they're gonna stick around with Lampard for quite a long time because I think their tough fixtures are gonna come, and this dire enough form uh, will actually catch up somewhere. Because right now, if you look at their Chelsea squad, right, I don't think uh, their new signings are impacting them. to win those games like let's say 
they are in tough runoff form. But then you see a system building around Werner, Havertz, and Ziyech, and Pulisic together, and they can they are scoring some goals. They're just unlucky, or stuff like that. Maybe I think maybe the board board is going to give him time because they do understand that bringing in quite a lot of players is going to take some time to gel. But then their results are mainly coming uh, with the dependence on their young previous players like Tammy Abraham or Callum Hudson-Odoi or Mason Mount. And that's where the problem really lies, right? So they did not invest 200 million right now in the squad for you to get results from the players who you were dependent on previously. And I think that's that's where it comes down to where if Frank Lampard stays or not. Uh, let's just see where it goes because I don't know if uh, Lampard has much time. As you said, they are a ruthless board. Who will sack? And they were also... And one thing which Frank Lampard needs to be grateful about is that there are no top managers who Chelsea feel they can uh, pull the plug for. Like had it, uh, like the rumour from Atletico said... Sorry, the Athletic article said that uh, if Pochettino was available, they say Lampard might not have managed Fulham game. So that's how string the Lampard situation is right now. But then the next thing which I want to talk is the Mourinho fatigue. Like, uh, we've kind of, I, I don't know about you, you're a big Mourinho fan, but then I kind of thought this is going to come uh, one day or the other because we always said that a Mourinho style of, you know, not conceding first, having, a, having priority there is not going to sustain in the long run and it's going to help them the cup games and they're already in a cup final. And uh, that caught up and I see quite a lot of Spurs fans being disappointed with their performances because they get a one goal or two goal cushion and they just try to, you know, sit back and, you know, get those one nil victory. But then teams somehow find a way to score past them. And finally, they did get a good win against Sheffield, but then that's not impressive, right? Sheffield can't get a win out of nowhere. And uh, so, yeah, that's Mourinho fatigue is catching up to them. And since you are an expert there, having uh, been through it for a, quite some time, so I'll just ask you, is it is it really uh, the Mourinho fatigue happening there or uh, is it just a blip and do this more? Honestly, Sai, I would... I would so I've been following this. So as, as I already talked about, uh, Spurs did have a small... Uh, downslide in form a bit for the last couple of games. So I was actually watching those matches, right? So um, so the thing with Mourinho's side, especially over the last few years, um, he builds it. So as we all know, he likes to drop deep and then, you know, put emphasis on not conceding the overscoring goals. And uh, the thing with Mourinho's side is that you get very few chances and high quality chances, not those lot of chances where there's decent low to decent chance of scoring. It's a high quality chances you can score. So if your strikers are not clinical enough, then there's always a chance of, you know, uh, dropping points. Uh, like you said, uh, in other words, it's the, like you put it, Mourinho fatigue catching up. And these last couple of games, it's just Kane and Son and other forwards have not finished well. And I, I think, again, especially if you look at Fulham game, especially, they had uh, one goal rule offside and a couple of good chances for Son that uh, one was offside and one which he should have done better. So, if you're on the Mourinho side and you're not clinical, uh, it's going to catch up with you. Uh, it's going to catch up with you a big time. And the run where they had good results against City, against uh, other big clubs, uh, they were clinical. They got the chances, they finished it. And 
that's not that didn't happen the last couple of games but uh, over the league um, we always discuss about being title challengers whether they're going to win uh, i don't think any of us believe that they're going to win the title but uh, i think they still should end up in top 4 my belief is that they will end up in top 4 but uh, i think um, to be honest daniel levy bought him just for silverware i don't think i think all of them knew what they were getting at when they were hiring jose um they did not expect some free flowing fluid football or you know something like that spurs it's been 12 years entering 13 and spurs actually last won a trophy and if it's even how bad you play or how how you much you play low block you get that silverware as much as a capital one club like you mentioned they're already in a capital one uh, carabao cup my bad uh final against city so if he managed to get the silverware and that's just exactly why levy brought him in so um, should end up in top four is my belief is i think it's just a blip in form because kane and son are still playing well even if they you know they're not finishing as well as they should be still playing well and uh, i expect them to catch up again top uh, top team Yeah, so I guess uh, let's just quickly move on to your final predictions, right? So uh, let's just ask, like, what do you think is the top four going to be like, and uh, who's the impressive mid-table club who's going to finish fifth, sixth, and seventh, and who are your personal like, best players and golden boots and all those things? Um, I think my top four would be. I think City should win the league this time. I. so especially last year city's problem a lot defensive problems and uh, ruben diaz and john stones is brilliant right absolutely brilliant i think 10 games and just one goal considered i believe that's incredible and that's going to be a big difference in this title race and i think city is going to make it and oof, i want to be optimistic and say manchester united but um uh, uh, But hope I, I I'm actually going for United to be second. It's a bold claim, and deep down I know Liverpool is going to be second. But it's been a while since I've been optimistic, so I want to go for United. I think United might nick it and be second. Uh, Liverpool will be third, and my belief is that Tottenham should catch up with Leicester and Everton. I think Tottenham. It, it's been very tight between Tottenham and uh, Leicester, but I think Tottenham will uh, edge it. I think this is my top four. What about you, Sai? Yeah, uh, I guess I kind of agree with you in some aspects. I I do believe that Manchester United are going to win the league because they do look like a completely different side now with their defense finally being like a top top class defense right now, and it's so tough to score past them. And Stones and Diaz found a good center back partnership right now. I guess Zinchenko is doing a pretty good job at the left back, and Cancelo is like playing like one of the best. uh full backs in the league right in the season and de bruyne is in a great form everything is kind of clicking for them right now and even though they don't look like a superb attacking side like they were in uh their 100 century in season but they do look like a side who can score one goal and be sure that they're going to get the one nil victory so i guess that defense is going to get them the league this season and maybe pep will sign us a striker this january window and uh, they might even uh, be a good attacking side also so i guess city is going to win the league and uh, i don't know if united are going to be sustainable till the whole season to finish second so i'll give them a pass and say 
Liverpool are going to finish second. Uh, some, they are just too good to not be in that uh, top spots. And uh, obviously, United is going to finish third. And fourth, I'm completely not sure right now. I do want to give a wild card prediction and say Leicester uh, because they do look good. They are uh, getting their players back. Pereira is coming back soon. And NDD is finally fit and strong. So, Inchu is going to come back. So, I do think that Leicester will... I think it's going to go neck-to-neck like the last season for the top four spots. Uh, but, yeah, let's just... I'll just be totally different and say Leicester for now because I'm not trusting Jose Mourinho on Tottenham. Neither do I trust Arsenal or Chelsea. So, I, I'm going to say Leicester. But, yeah, let's... And as of Arsenal, I think they're going to be right where they finished last year. So, eighth. And our only hope for Champions League is going to be winning the Europa League, which is going to be tough. So, that's where I stand on the top standings. Mm, that's fair. It's going to be, like you said, it's going to be very tight between, you know, there are a couple of clubs there who can be fourth. So, we'll see. We'll see what happens. It's it's going to be an extremely interesting season, So to be honest. So, next up, let's move on to the other league, which is uh, producing quite a good fairy tale story uh, where in La Liga, Diogo Simeone is comfortably ahead of every other club in the league. And I like we just we can put this right away, right? I we both believe that they are going to win the league this time, right? Definitely, uh, absolutely right, Sai. And uh, I think he deserves another league title. It's been a while, and if it's actually incredible if you look at the table right now because. Uh, Atletico Madrid in La Liga has scored 31 goals and they have conceded just six. Just six goals and that's in- incredible, to be honest. I think, uh, and only Barcelona has scored more uh, more than Atletico Madrid in the league. So, and they are four points clear of second place Madrid with two games in hand. So, I should say they're going to win comfortably well, Sai. I mean, it's their, their uh, title to lose from here. Yeah, but there are a lot of other good narratives they are going on also. But uh, the last time we spoke about Real Madrid, we told they were like not so consistent and they got knocked out of uh, the Spanish Cup as well. Now, even Barcelona got an embarrassing result in the finals. So, do, do you think this is mainly down to the underperforming of both clubs or really a, a good, great Atletico side? really well. I think it's down to a multiple factors, Sai, because uh, if, if you take individually, if you take, uh, let's say, take Real Madrid, they're actually entering the transition phase right now because their midfielders are aging. Poor set of midfielders and the players they used to play with. Obviously, Marcelon doesn't play that as much now. But Modric and Cruz are constant players then and it's time, you know, phase them out. And uh, you, you have a Valverde and uh, Odegaard coming back in and it's reaching that transition phase, and uh, they had some underperformance, uh, un- underwhelming performances. They've had underperforming players, key players as well. There, Benzema went on a patch where he wasn't playing well, but and uh, you know, and the forwards line were not kick, uh, clicking as well. Now, Jovic went to Frankfurt, and I think I believe in the first game itself he scored two goals as well. So it, he, Zidane couldn't get much out of Jovic as well. Hazard is constantly injured. So. It's not a great Madrid side right now, to be honest. And uh, they're struggling for consistency as well. As for Barcelona, they didn't start really well. Not too long ago, they were 12th in the league. But now, they started 
we have picking up form uh, dembele is started producing consistent performances messi messi started you know after a slow start to the season he is now also getting better and better as we expect him to be and uh, you know your other key players deyong and griezmann was getting into the groove as well again when you think barcelona is turning a tide there comes a bad result and um, like you mentioned that copa del rey exit will you know um, will provide a dent in the confidence and especially with uh, leo getting a red card as well so it's just that is the transition phase uh, for barcelona as well they're reaching a place where they're running for life without messi right so zaran in the right moment of time atletico chooses to be excellent as well and you think simeon is still that you know sparking low blocks manager is not is actually producing an attacking side uh, not only that they concede very less but if he is actually building a side on yao felix i don't understand the narrative that you know people used to term him a flop he's just a 19 year old kid who is coming to a new league understanding the culture the setup different style and now he's getting into his groove and now he started playing well and he's now building a team around as well and suarez has been scoring as well so it's combination of both is a combination of both the big giants going undergoing a transition phase along with atletico reaching the peak and apart from these three clubs there are other clubs playing as well obviously i think societed just fell off for a bit but they have been playing really good attacking football as well actually they were top of the league for a while and vrl has got a unai emery has been doing an excellent job with vrl as well so there are good uh, teams there are good competition as well but i think this is atletico's uh, tighter you know because i and if you go even below sevilla uh, they have been they're quite, quite close to sociedad as well and they have club games in hand so the top six still uh, you know there's still competition there but um, like we already said it's uh, simeone's title to lose from you yeah neeraj i like agree with you and no uh, other main narrative which i want to see talk about is barcelona and home and like you know as you mentioned they're just not being consistent for a long time you know they i think they actually have some couple of good young talents which they can use to you know uh, completely like build for the future like i do understand that you know, it's going to take time for the transition from you don't even know if messi is going to stay and all that but then uh i think it all comes down to comments conservative nature like they were comfortably uh, winning the super cup for 89 minutes approximately and he suddenly went on to a defensive mode he just sat back and you know he just didn't go for the kill with the talents you have with messi you i don't think you just need to do that and uh it punished them they went on to win 3-2 and i don't think there is you know the cohesiveness in the group right now and i don't know if they are even a team they have team talks or they together as a team or are they buying into common's philosophy the total club is in a complete mess right now and there are also rumors that the new presidential election might get postponed and uh, the old people who batemo left in the board they are trying to postpone the future of the uh, the health future of the elections and that's going to cause quite a lot of uh, hiccups in this barcelona dressing room and particularly with lionel messi who i believe is going to leave when he's as a free agent i don't think there is anything you can convince him to you know stay uh, 
one year miracle like shavi completely promising him that it's going to turn around and everything is going to be smooth i think that's the only thing which might make messi consistent but i do think that he is in the stage of his career where he is not the guy who you want to rebuild around i think it's best for both the parties to part ways from each other because messi still has still playing at the highest level he's still one of the best attackers in the world despite having numbers not up to his own his own ridiculous standards so i think you need to part ways with messi soon even with the wage structure and the wage bill you're in right now is the best thing to do and do you think uh, messi is going to stay or do you think what's going to happen with the future of messi and what do you think barcelona should do with messi that's quite interesting sai because honestly until now i felt uh, messi should have left i think uh, a bit earlier before we started recording we were talking about that as well how what how you know messi should have if letting messi go last summer would have been financially very beneficial for uh, barcelona as a club as well instead of you know asking for wage cuts and all that um it's difficult to see because um, let's say the elections happen and xavi comes in I really don't see Messi leaving if Xavi comes in. I probably think it's likely that he will sign a new contract, stay for two more years, and then take off to MLS. He has already expressed his interest in playing uh, in MLS as well. So that's what I think is likely to happen. But I'm not sure. Even if he leaves now, he'll probably go to MLS as well. But uh, at 34, like you said, he still has things to contribute. He still is one of the best players in the world. uh so i think he still can play in a top league but uh, just don't see him leaving if zavi comes in um what i personally feel like i said is like he'll probably sign a new contract stay for a couple more years wait till you know zavi builds a core team around assuming zavi's doing well and then once he has set a core team around then he'll move to mls or any other clubs or he has always expressed an interest in retiring in newell as well in argentina so uh, i think he might stay sign i don't know i know what the other people believe i it's likely also he might move i do not know but if javi comes in but i think he will stay i don't don't see messi leaving yeah so that's an interesting narrative to watch about the la liga and yeah let's just quickly do our predictions and move on to the next game uh, i i guess as we mentioned atletico i think is going to finish Uh, first and Real Madrid are going to finish second, and Barcelona will finish third. And Emery's Villarreal are actually playing pretty well. They are actually Emery finally found his groove in a club where he can instill his own ideas, where he's comfortable with his language, and everything is quite going well for them. So I guess uh, is Villarreal side will finish fourth. So that's my prediction for you. I agree, sir. I think that. I think the table will stay as it is right now. Emery uh, is doing well. I think the top three decides for itself. I don't think Barcelona will go ahead of Madrid unless Madrid has a disastrous spell or something like that. Uh, so yeah, I agree with your order. It's going to be Atletico, Real Madrid, uh, Barcelona, and uh, Villarreal for the top four. Yeah, and uh, next up. the other thing which the other interesting stuff which happened in liga uh, is that poch being appointed as the psg manager and tuchel getting sacked and uh, that's quite a good appointment right like we all rate pochino quite high 
and he also won his first trophy, which is kind of a good banter to Spurs fan because he was there for almost five years and he won nothing with them. And uh, so that's a good start for Pochettino and PSG. Uh, where do you think is the ceiling for this side, Neelish? Like, do you think they're going to go all the way in the Champions League with Pochettino in the house? That's yeah. That's another interesting question, Sai. Because uh, usually what happens is when a manager gets sacked and there's a new manager that comes in, right? It's always this spell where you know team suddenly plays like you know they have all the motivation in the world and they play some fantastic football and this and that, you know, uh, all those uh, kind of stuff. I don't think they'll win. Uh, to be honest, I think uh, they'll get far. Don't get me wrong, they'll get far. But I think there's a lot of missing, you know, here pieces in that PSG squad that's needed to actually win the title. I think more than the UCL, obviously, UCL is a priority for them and League One, obviously. League One, uh, excellent competition this season. I think, even though those are big priorities, I think the main thing... Pochettino would be trying to do is get to Neymar and Mbappe to sign their new contracts, right? That has been going on, and there was a lot of reports of Shell having um, differences with Mbappe and uh, with the director Leonardo, and you know, it seems that sort of problem seems to follow Trishel wherever he goes as well. I think the biggest priority for Pochettino will be to get those two to sign the contracts down. I think that will be the biggest achievement for the biggest, you know. Um, Point that Pochettino will be asked to cover uh, during the for the rest of the season. And obviously, like uh, Champions League is going to be a priority, but I uh, we follow the group of death, right? With United and Leipzig, there are they're missing something. PSG, um, although their forward line is very threatening, then apart from Verratti and uh, here, there's not actual you know world class players that it's actually present in the PSG side to actually take them all the way. So I think that is something he'll be looking to address in his first summer transfer window. And um, uh, maybe not so, but if you're coming to League One, uh, it, actually Leon's been playing brilliantly as well. So they are top of the league for a while. Lyle, uh, Monaco, Rene, they've all been playing well. PSG has had been struggling, dropping points when you don't expect them to, but uh, Right now, they are top of the league, same points with Lyle, but uh, should go to win. But for, for actually for a change, league ones looks interesting now as well. So I think, um, yeah, apart from this contracts thing, I think secure that uh, league title would be Sardino's biggest priority now. Yeah, uh, like the main reason why I think PSG might be a surprise package with Pochino is that their first round matchup is quite easy, right? They are going up against a worse Barcelona defense and Messi looks totally off and he's not as good headspace. So if there is any uh, good time to face a Barcelona uh, side, the Champions League, this is, the, this is probably the best time for you to do. And we all know that Pochino is known for overachieving with this uh, squad and they he does have quite good attackers in the squad and he seems to bring the best out of the uh, underachieving people. So. That's the one reason why I'm optimistic that they might go on in a deep run in this uh, Champions League. Uh, but n- they are not particularly best sides in the uh, Champions League right now. Like, uh, if you know what I mean, like uh, they are not outright clear favorites. Like they are not four or five clear favorites to win the Champions League right now. So they just Bayern and the rest. So I do believe they might be one among the best 
to go on a deep run. But yeah, as you mentioned, the league run is a, a good thing to follow right now. And also with William Saliba on loan to league run, I'm following it quite a bit. So uh, that's a good thing to follow. And yeah, I, I mean, PSG is going to finish in the league as uh, predicted. So I guess it's a good time to move on to the next league. So moving on, um, so there's a lot of been a lot of surprises in most of the leagues as well. And but I think the biggest would be to Serie A uh, side. So after a long time, both the Milan clubs are right at the top. AC Milan uh, at the top, equal points with Inter Milan, but with a game in hand. Uh, Napoli six, Napoli and Roma tied uh, third, fourth, but uh, six points behind Milan. And Juventus have a game in hand, same number of games as Milan, uh, but seven points behind leaders AC Milan. So, uh, excited times. Yeah, if you look about it, Atletico, like like you mentioned at the beginning of the episode, Atletico in Spanish league, you know, Manchester United at the Premier League, and now AC Milan, both the what we football fans would like to call fallen giants, are at least for the moment they're at the top of the league. So. Good to be back, at least for uh, Milan fans, at least. It's exciting times. And as far as I know, I think uh, Tomori from Chelsea and uh, uh, Manzukic is going to be announced later in the coming week as well. So they sense blood. They know the title is there for the taking, especially when Juventus is struggling with the new manager, uh, Perlo. And uh, they are sensing that they can. They are sensing that they can finally win a league title for the first time in a long time. So, what, what do you think of the side? What do you make of the Serie A drama going on? Actually, I was uh, very impressed with how AC Milan were performing ever since the lockdown period. Uh, they were playing fantastic football. They pulled off an upset against uh, Juventus. And uh, this was not so surprising. I, took, uh, I did uh, kind of expect that they will be in the top, at least in the top three or four. But I never expected them to be the league leaders by quite a good margin and uh, they it kind of went interesting when Juventus faced them recently though. like they self went in Juventus favor 3-1 and it finally looked like it's yet another time where a club bottles uh, La Liga title to Juventus but then this Inter Milan uh, Juventus game completely switched the narrative like Juventus are now down by seven points with the game in hand and uh, uh, we I, I mean uh, I don't know if Juventus were uh, accepting that they're not going to be good this year and they're going to give Pillow time to be the rebuild. But I did not think that that was a good idea because they did have the squad to, you know, they did have the squad which won uh, the Serie A. Although the, the rest of the league were underperforming, they bought it. And, and those are all there, but still they are Cristiano Ronaldo. They have a good squad. They did a good recruitment. I thought they should have gone for some experienced manager and went for the title. But then their fresh new approach of going with the club legends as a manager, that's what every club seems to follow right now. So uh, this is not going to be as surprising for them because I did not think they were going to win Serie A under Pirlo with the sides around them getting much better day and day. And another surprise package this season has been Roma for me because they are actually playing really good football and, and they... Uh, Hendrik Mkhitaryan, who we both are quite familiar with, seems to have found his Dortmund form back. And they are, uh, 
is riding them and uh, they are at 35 points right now they are five points behind inter milan and that's respectable right and uh, that's that's been a surprise story for me for this whole series yeah this i agree so roma has been playing really good as well um as we come to juventus um it's possible that they wanted pirlo to take the time but to be fair if you look at the serie a last season juventus won more because of other teams bottling it or they're not able to get the points that they need at the right time when they need it under most pressure it's not about juventus actually you know properly winning as much as you know other teams you know not using up the opportunities and uh, it's it's a, it's a very interesting serie because uh, now it's a going to be close call between uh, both the milan clubs as well and conte obviously has been doing a great job with you know what we call a bunch of uh, premier league uh, premier league uh, rejects or premier league exports he's been doing doing quite a good job with that and like you mentioned roma uh, i surprised to see roma up here because you know after the season atlanta have and lazio as well uh, i was expecting both of them to be you know competing in the top 4 and now roma has been playing exceptionally well so it's interesting to see it's good i'll be more than happy if milan actually wins the title to be honest and there's mostly one man to thank for it and it's probably going to be zlatan ibrahimovic has completely changed the mentality we talk, we often talk about bruno you know coming in and changing at united if you actually look at a european scene there's actually one more person who has done it over the years and he's doing it another big club and dragging them you know to the top and that's our big man's latan himself and so massive credit to him even when he was injured the mentality is with him so um, has been spread to the squad as well so fingers crossed actually I'm hoping for a yeah, yes. like I never expected uh, Gazidis to you know build such a good squad around him. I'm still surprised on how they actually how Gazidis actually managed to build a quite a good squad. Like he was the guy who gave contracts to Lucas Perez, Cordero, and Mustafi and stuff like that. Now he's actually building a good squad with Rafael Leao, Akin Kelanoglu, everybody, and their their talent is there, their recruitment is there, and as you said, their January signings are. exciting like manzogic we all wanted him to go to tottenham as a backup striker to harry kane so we did our prediction there finally it looks like he's going to get his move to a top side and he does deserve to be there and he he's going to rally them with this veteran mentality and tomori is another great center back who's highly rated and that's a good place for him to you know go and learn uh, in that defense and yeah that's uh, let's just hope that this fairy tale you know gets a good ending and not like another serie a season where juventus again bottles it uh, so yeah and who do you think is going to be the top four in this league nilich oh that's actually interesting um it's actually probably the toughest top four you'll have to have to predict because you never know what's going to happen uh you know you, no matter how far behind juventus is or how much they're expecting there's always there's a certain man called cristiano ronaldo there and uh, If he hits form, he is he is actually quite playing well to be honest, and in a growing and his absence in his squad is actually it's very evident in a squad where Pirlo is already you know doing his best to imprint his style, 
and even when he has bad games he is popping up with a goal that milan was a big example i think that was his worst game i've seen in probably close to year year and a half and he still managed to score and when you have a player like that you can never count a team off um so oof, actually quite difficult say um i think i think juventus might pick milan because you never know in a long run you know whether milan will be able to sustain it but i think but not a long margin to, to be honest i think it's going to be very tight i'm going to say juventus ac milan inter milan and roma to be the top four what about you say i mean i'm going to defer here i think ac milan are good enough to you know win the league and they are, like we should also remember that there is a tough champions league uh, fixture coming up and uh, milan are actually in the europa league so there is less burden on them to you know field field the best squad in the midweek as well so juventus are under that burden as well so i do think that you know uh, that fatigue and everything everything else will going to catch up and then Uh, i guess juventus are going to finish second i don't know if conte can keep it going for a long time so i think ac milan going to be the winners uh, juventus coming second and uh, inter milan and i guess napoli are going to finish fourth this time uh, okay they are also performing well under gattuso so i guess napoli are going to finish fourth interesting choice actually napoli um we'll see we'll see sir because uh, like we mentioned yeah, this is actually interesting we interesting. we are differing quite a lot in this Yeah, yeah. We've been differing a lot. We're kind of surprised with the Napoli choice. We'll see, Sai. We'll see what happens at the end of the season. Yeah. So the final league, which we want to cover quickly, is uh, the Bundesliga, where things are, as usual, not so different right now. It's Bayern leading the uh, league and closely followed up by sides like Leverkusen, uh, Leipzig, and uh, Dortmund. So Neeraj what do you make of Bundesliga this year I mean it's uh, it's a standard you know this thing standard table as well um Bayern's team rolling had a couple of upsets actually upset results and they were actually recently they were knocked out of the DFK DFKB uh, Pokal Cup as well I think by a league by Bundesliga two team the first time in probably more than a decade so there was that upset they have been having upset results here and there but uh, in the bundesliga it's business as usual for bayern um, leipzig return dortmund dortmund is just re- now slowly catching up to the form uh, in between they had haland injured sancho was out of form after his old saga over to over a move to united now sancho started playing you know started getting back his form he's playing like how he used to play last season so they're picking up there but uh, Uh, I don't see much changes. I I think it's going to be the same, same narrative as usual for uh, Bayern. Yeah, uh, we can all agree on that. But then the one thing which I was it was really interesting going through social media is that there it's finally catching up. Like the Bayern, uh, you know, which is uh, ex- expected goal difference is finally catching up. They are actually blowing teams away uh, for the most part, and it's slowly coming down. And they are dropping points here and there and it's just down to leipzig and leverkusen that they're not capitalizing on it like the results were neck to neck uh, and they faced each other and it was so close and i did think that nagelsmann uh, should have capitalized on it and you know gone ahead but then they even they dropped points and bayern just benefited from that because the expected 
points actually suggest that uh, Leipzig should be uh, comfortably ahead and, you know, Dortmund followed this again. It's quite surprising. But then, yeah, I did believe that Nagelsmann uh, should have gone ahead with the squad and, you know, been, been a number one place right now. Uh, whether it will be sustainable for the long run, we never know. But then, uh, these are the times where you need to, you know, put a stamp on the top to, you know, have even a little chance of going neck to neck in the end. But then now it's just going to be a bloat because they're already four points ahead and I do not see this uh, this gap shrinking at all. I agree, sir. I don't see any difference. But if you come lower down, uh, it's a bit more interesting there because um, um, Union Berlin has been performing well. Um, and for somebody who's performed well in the Champions League, Gladbach has not really clicked in the Bundesliga as well, as much as you expect them to have. Because they've shown their quality in the Champions League. They're playing great. They have some really good players. They've been playing well. They're not being consistent in the Bundesliga. So, kind of... Uh, underperformed there in the German league as well. But Union Berlin has been performing well more than uh, expected. I think a point behind the, behind Dortmund for the top four. And um, otherwise, it's business um, as usual. Wolfsburg and Frankfurt. Frankfurt is going to benefit from Jovic coming back on loan. He made an instant impact and I'm, I'm thinking Frankfurt might challenge for the top four, actually. Okay, well, they have a good squad. They they were just lacking that five, final third, uh, you know, the threat or the decisiveness. And bringing back you, which at least for a short time is going to help them a lot. So I think Frankfurt is going to make a push for a top four. Whether they reach there, I don't know. But uh, unless, like you said, sorry, business as usual uh, in the Bundesliga. Before we end the episode, Sai, we totally forgot to mention that Schalke has finally won their first game in a long, long time, and uh, must have been a quite a relief. But uh, it, I do not know how long the streak was stretching back to. But I think it's kind of sad that we have to tell this as some sort of an achievement or something. But you know, um, I, I, I was personally very happy when I got to know that. And it's your player, it's your player who went there as well, who inspired them for their first ever victory class match. So, yeah, yeah, it was actually a 32-game winless streak, I guess. And yeah. uh, Kodasinach being in Arsenal, he was quite familiar with winless streaks. So, I think he went there and put in the mentality uh, to get that result. Like, yeah, it's great for them, but I don't know how they're going to survive in the Bundesliga right now yeah. because it's actually stacked and there are not much games to you know, catch up and go off on it. So, let's just see what happens to Schalke. But that's, a, that's an interesting story. Like, you never expect Schalke to be underperforming like yeah. this bad, like to yeah. be the dead last team in the league. Yeah, I agree. So we never thought that, but same like um, same like Sheffield who got their first win against Newcastle as well. So it's a lot of streaks that's broken over the last couple of weeks. But uh, yeah, good for them. Um, it's kind of sad in a way, especially for Schalke being such a big club. But it is what it is. So, I think we have come to the end of this episode. Uh, it's been a crazy footballing season, like we have seen over the episode. Uh, it's been crazy times across the top five leagues in Europe. And the predictions that me and Sai gave before the season began is quickly, you know, increasingly looking more and more foolish as the season goes by. 
so we had fun uh, going through the leagues and making our own new predictions and let's hope our new predictions come close to the actual results side by the end of this year otherwise we'll be looking even more stupid than uh, uh, than we are right now so i hope we, i hope you guys had a, a lots of fun you know and games are coming thick and fast Double game weeks some games are being postponed and you know stuff like that so have a great uh, footballing week ahead uh, goodbye and stay safe